0: For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable, and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love, and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of denisetaylor.live and welcome to Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Happiness. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to push past your fears and soar. Well, hello and welcome again to Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Happiness. You already know the deal. I'm excited that you're here. My voice reaching you is a dream realized, and I hope that you are empowered. Today is no exception. What I love is when our own experiences really prompt us to serve to serve others so that we can really pay it forward and give back to help someone else along the way. And when I think of Teresa's story, it does my heart so good. You know, it's incredible when you can know someone all of their life and you see God blossom them into an incredible woman that is moving forward and doing great, powerful things, my goodness. That is joy. Today's Achiever is Teresa Smith, and I am so pleased to introduce her to you. The superpower she's going to illuminate for us is hold fast to your faith. In the midst of us talking, she got a little choked up. At any time, what you're working on impacts you to the point that it really ignites an emotional response you know you're on to something that is going to change the lives that you come in contact with that excites me holding fast to your faith is about not giving up it's about pressing on it's about continuing despite what you see what you hear what you think or what you may even know you've got to hold on So that you can see the change continue to manifest great things in your life. And that's what Teresa did. She held on. Take a listen to her story. It will encourage you. It will help you to know that faith is a great thing to hold on to. Well, welcome to this episode of Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Happiness. In this beautiful face here with me, I have to laugh. I feel so old. She (laughs) used to be a little girl. uh, (laughs) We attended the same church when she was just a little girl. Now she has blossomed into a beautiful woman. Not only is she a wife, she's a mom, but she is a blossoming entrepreneur and a doctoral student. So Um, she's gotten older. I've gotten wiser. How about we'll go? (laughs) Today, we're going to anchor in on the pursuit of happiness, true happiness that overflows to others. And that's what I thought about when I thought about Teresa. Uh, She's growing stronger and she's thriving in her service to others, specifically serving the generation coming behind her. She's paying it forward. In fact, she's stretching it forward. Welcome to Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Happiness, Teresa. Thanks for having me. Ah, the whole grown version of you. (laughs) Do us a favor and introduce introduce yourself and tell us about your personal story of stretching, which is what you're all about. All about,
1: sure. So again, my name is Teresa Smith. I, um, I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin and I currently reside in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a wife, a mom, a doctoral candidate in an educational leadership program, an assistant director of financial aid, <laughs> um, a new author, and founder of Why Not Stretch, an educational firm. Um, And um, my journey of stretching, it really began in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, you know, I was stretching, but I'm very reflective. And when I start to think about it, it began in high school when I just completely didn't understand algebra. Mm -hmm. And it felt like when I started algebra, everyone was on chapter three and I was on chapter one. Mm -hmm. And so, I used to use the fact that I was introverted, that I didn't like to appear dumb, that I didn't like asking questions. I would just kind of fake it till I make it, but that didn't last long. And so I had to stretch beyond um, how I felt, what was comfortable, and stay after class when my girls were going out every single day until I got algebra. And once I got it, I became a a tutor. And so um, I stretched in that way. And then the way I ended in college, I stretched after everyone started to receive their, their acceptance letters, which is seen here, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when something clicked, like, oh, I need to kind of start planning my future. Mm-hmm. So um, because I wasn't the A-plus student and I've never really visited my counselor um, I stumbled in their office, and I really didn't get much guidance because I didn't look good on paper, and so that led me to navigate this college going process on my own. And so I did stretch in that way, meaning that even though when uh, my counselor didn't think I was good enough for college because it wasn't offered up as an option, mm-hmm. I still pursued it, mm-hmm. I pursued it alone, and I made a lot of mistakes that cost me. And so, you know, I'm just. I got to a point where I just was very reflective um, in my life. And just looking back, I'm like, man, if I would have stretched a little more when it was free, maybe I wouldn't have made such costly mistakes in college. I did the right thing by going after, believing in myself, but it took more than that. And so um, that's that's where my journey to stretching began.
0: Oh, that, that's fantastic. And what I love is your transparency, I love the fact that you are giving a voice and a testimony to the student who is not the top of the class student, to the student who may be struggling, to the student that's not so sure or doesn't look good on paper. I love that. Yeah. I love that you are given a testimony to them that they too can rise and they can thrive and have an impressive future that does not look like what they see today. And I think that that's very important. And I even think back on my own experience because- you know, when you don't know, you just don't know, right? Right, right. And, And for me, you know, my parents went to high school and graduated high school. But when I look at my two older brothers, neither one of them graduated high school. So I didn't have that course charted for me that said, this is how you figure these things out. And so much like you, there was a lot of uncertainty as to what steps I needed to make or how to even get to that advanced state of school and finances and financial support for it. Like <laughs> yeah. all of that was completely new. And so I love that you are working in this space to give visibility and voice to students who may not be at the top of their class or may not even understand how to get to college. Um, But if they have a desire to go and it it can be awakened within them, the work that you're doing will help. And so I'm impressed by you. So your firm, Why Not Stretch, tell us about how you are stretching to serve the next generation. Sure. So
1: um, I kind of went over everything that I'm doing. And before the firm became a firm, Why Not Stretch?, uh, my nine to five leaked into churches, um, homes, students were in my home. Uh, my husband, he, uh, he was a dean at the time. He's a teacher now. And his students became my students. <laughs> so um, naturally, so I've always stretched mm-hmm. beyond whatever my schedule was to make sure students really navigated the process. The only problem is that I became more like a, a firefighter that uh, was, you know, extinguishing fires instead of preventing them. Mm. You know, and um, that's much harder to do. It's so harder t- to help students once they get into these financial binds, and you know, um, trying to explain how they, you know, need to kind of start from, you know, stage one of really understanding. Are and different things like that so um, the firm came about uh, just to put some parameters mm-hmm. what it is that I'm doing and um, uh, so that I can help students before they get to college mm-hmm. uh, with the college going process mm-hmm. and so um, I stretched that way now I'm stretching um, in a more you know structured <laughs> manner and um, and I hope to uh, build more relationships, mentorships, um, facilitate different um, workshops. That I have built all of my curriculum, <laughs> I designed it all, mm-hmm. and uh, the topics vary. All include financial aid, but it's it includes all of the cognitive things that need to be developed in order to successfully manage those intricate um, processes. And um, of course, speeches, and um, anything that relates to financial aid I can do, but I hope that I have more of the opportunity to do workshops and uh, mentor um, students um, so that they can get more of that personalized um,
0: information. Okay, and so the work that you've put together when you think of that full suite, is that for the students or is it for the parents or is it for both?
1: It's for both. Um, So I do have like parent university um, where I'm uh, assisting parents with really understanding their role with um, assisting their student through the college going process. A big part of my um, writing includes building your community. And because I don't feel like students have to pull their own selves up by their bootstraps. It's very important that they pull back and they pull those beside them with them along the journey. And um, parents are a part of that. And so even if your student is one who on paper is really good, trust me, they don't know it all. And they still need you because those students get to college and, you know, they make costly mistakes as well. And that's because we kind of lean on the fact that they've always been responsible. They've always done this. And so it's easy to assume that they know what they're doing, but more than likely they do not. So they need you as well.
0: I love, I love the fact that you're taking a holistic approach to it. Um, Because in many cases, especially for me, because I was a first generation college student for our family, um, that is something that would have likely been helpful for us to have, right? Because there were certain things that my parents couldn't help me navigate, right? There were certain things that were new to me. I know when I got to col- college and they were talking about the college of this and the college of that, like that was all completely foreign to me. And Correct. so it was like an education that had to happen for me to even understand the structure of a university and the structure of a school and that deans are associated with each of the schools and, you know, these professors are associated. Associated with each of the schools and what the heck is a prerequisite, you know, like it was just all completely brand new to me. And Again, being first generation, it wasn't like I could tap into the experience of my parents to be able to help me navigate that. And so I love the fact that you're taking a holistic approach to say, here's how you can develop your squad, your tribe to be able to come alongside you and give you that type of support. Now, one of the things I saw, you note it says one of your primary objectives is graduating without debilitating amounts of debt. Why? did? Well, obviously, you have a financial perspective being a financial advisor. But help me understand more about the strategies you have around that and how you can come up with how you have come up with some principles to help.
1: Sure. And um, so. As far as strategies, it's about financial awareness. Um, and so just knowing what you're getting yourself into, what questions to ask. Not all loans are necessarily bad loans, um, but when you go into it and you're just borrowing and you're just selecting accept and you don't know what's going on, then more than likely after you graduate, you're either going to default on those loans or you're gonna become so overwhelmed with the thought of those loans that um, you just completely ignore them, which ends up in default. I see it happen all um, over and over and over again, or students, um, they wish they would have never borrowed that amount. Maybe they wish they would have never borrowed more than what they needed. They were just completely ignorant to the process. And so it's just helping students to understand on a basic level, at this point, um, because there's stages to it, right? And so at this point, it's just understanding how their decisions are attached to other things and and just making sure that they understand that so they can become a little more intentional with what they do. And so I think that students have to be a little more purposeful. If you know you're borrowing 5,000 in loans, then maybe you'll do a little bit more networking in college, or maybe you'll be more intentional about assuming the type of internship that's going to land you a job. You know, you move a little differently when you know you have a certain responsibility Um, and you become a little, you you get the hustler spirit and you know what you have to do because you don't want to graduate and don't have a job to pay back the loans or you don't want to um, maybe accept a job where, you're they're giving you 45,000 but you know that you need to make 50 in order to live comfortably and pay back those loans Mm -hmm. and so uh, it's just being aware of your finances and what you're getting yourself into um and knowing your options Mm -hmm. and a lot of times like you said because you didn't have anyone that uh, could show you prior to I kind of was the same way my sister who's an older sister who's older than me she was an A1 student. And so she had scholarships galore. Her rooming board was paid. So her journey was a lot different than mine. And so when she got to college, I only followed her footsteps, not knowing that that full tuition I would have to pay (laughs) that she didn't, you know, and that's because she handled her business in high school. And so um, it's just making sure students know that they um, that they have options and helping them choose the best option for them. And um, again, uh, well, not again, but students, sometimes they go into these situations and it's only because it's their dream school and these dream schools turn into nightmares. And so, you know, (laughs) making that real to them, making debt real to them. And, um, And so, yeah, that's, that's how I plan on doing it. Just making students more financially aware of, of, the entire process.
0: So here's a couple things that came to mind as you were talking. I think one of the things that I personally didn't understand is how much of a resume was being written for me from the ninth grade forward. Like I, I did not understand that. And I think that, you know, it's a lot to put on a middle schooler, but I think helping them understand what really is happening in terms of your academic resume when you enter the ninth grade and having a straight up conversation with them because that translates to money and helping them understand that is key because I don't really think in some cases, at least in my experience, like college conversations didn't really start happen till the summer between sophomore and junior year. Right. And if you didn't do some really good foundational work, your freshman and sophomore year, you were on an uphill battle and mm-hmm. let alone if you was a hood rat like me. But that's a whole nother. Conversation. <laughs> but you were on an uphill battle. In terms of the educational process and so I think some of the things that you're talking about is how do we get the appropriate awareness with the right wording to the younger students so that they understand the impact of those choices and decisions that are happening when they're entering into high school, and they aren't just becoming the focal towards the end of that experience the other thing. That I heard you say that I think resonates very strongly is the appropriate education about finances and about money. You know, I'm thinking back to when my when my uh, oldest daughter was in uh, eighth grade, I used to leave work and I would go to her after school program and I would teach the eighth graders in after school money class. And that was just something I decided to do. Like, y'all, aftercare, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna teach y'all about money. And we talked about budgets. And we talked about Texas and we talked about, you know, all of these different things that unfortunately conversations are not being held about, but that was something I decided to do for myself. And, you know, we were in Wisconsin at the time and we took a field trip to Chicago and we went to where money was being printed up. We went to the money Mm -hmm. museum, like it was a really big deal, but if nobody is helping them to understand expenses and loans and money and how it functions, you know, I will never forget the look on their faces when I was like, your taxes come out of the check. And they were like, what? You know, like they had no perception. Like, I'm like, yeah, they take their money up front, you know? <laughs> and So they had no perception of that. And I think we have to start having money conversations in a way that children can begin to understand them because to your point all i know is you told me you were going to give me six thousand five hundred dollars. that's all i know and i'm just checking the box like give it to me because in my mind i have no perception about loan i have no perception about repayment i have no perception about interest rate like I am unlearned in this because yeah. we aren't having the right kind of money conversations. Now I imagine your curriculum has some perspective of that. And that's probably what has driven you to your compelling, why you're doing what you're doing along with just the desire to give back.
1: Of course, because I initially when, uh, because it all started because I was mad. <laughs> I was just bad. Um, and initially I was like, you know, I'm going to tell everyone about, you know, the financial aid process and how all this works. And then I began to back, sit back and think like, hey, you know what? If they are anything like me and a lot of the students that end up in financial um, ruin or <laughs> um, what have you, they didn't even know they were good enough for college. You know, you know what? They don't even know themselves. You know, they, they haven't even tapped into to um, really... Um, become self knowledgeable self directed and um, self empowered enough to navigate these processes and so that's why it's very important that I harp on that students should develop these things so that they're able to handle the financial processes who come in and they're self-knowledgeable, they're self-directed, and they know how to ask the questions. They know that if they don't understand something that they can ask for clarity, or if they want to challenge something, they can challenge it. Um, they can handle those processes of financial aid, even if they're ignorant to them, because they have those that cognitive ability, that critical thinking, those different things to where it helps them on their journey. And so, Yes, my curriculum does. It, it, it encompasses all of that because I know that I can't just start with financial aid for my intended population. And so um, I start pretty much in your mind. We have to get your mind right. We have to make sure that you understand that you're capable uh, to achieve whatever your heart's desire. And it has to be separate from Any decisions that you made that are based upon survival, which a lot of students are making decisions, not because they want to do things, but it's based upon just survival mode or trauma. They're doing these things because they have to, not because they want to. And it's pointing them back in that direction. If you don't have anything um, up against you, what does your life look like? Let's get to that point and then let's start building. Let's start stretching to that person.
0: Mm -hmm. that's really good talk about financial aid starting to mind because as you were talking if I don't really think that there's a reasonable chance for me to get any money then I'm not going to have the confidence to go ask for it or if I don't think that there's really any reasonable chance that I am enough or deserving of that type of investment, then I won't have the confidence to go ask about it. So starting with the mindset is absolutely the right place.
1: Yeah, and I see it all the time. The people that you just wanna help, they never ask for help. The people who on paper it's like, why are they asking? You know, they are going to ask, mm-hmm. and ask again. And then they're going to send someone else and they're going to ask again. So um, it's just, it's a, it's a cultural thing. It's, it's um, you know, it's, I don't understand it, but we're not even taught to challenge some of these systems. We're not taught to, you know, be self-directed in different, you know, ways. And so, yeah, definitely.
0: So I'll, I'll tell you two, two um, one thing that I've learned from my professional experience. And I actually learned this in school too. And so I'm chuckling a little bit in my head. Mm -hmm. If you want to know anything that's going on in any business office, go talk to the admins, period. Mm -hmm. They they know every, like they really run the office. So they know everything that's going on in the office. And I remember that one of the deliberate things that I did was I got to know the ladies that worked in the financial aid office. And I would just show up there because they knew where money was. (laughs) And if you keep showing up and you keep asking and you forge the right relationships, I'm telling you, it does make a difference how you come in, how you approach them, because much like the administrators in any business office know what's going on, those people who work in that financial aid office, they know where the money is and they will help you when they feel compelled and have a desire to, but if you show up with a stank attitude, you show up and you're not accommodating, you show up and you're not being respectful, like all of these different factors that go back to that whole sense of awareness and how to have relationships and dealings, you aren't taking advantage of the people that are there and resource to be able to help you. But I'm telling you, I hate to, I hate to coin it as the ladies, but the ladies who work in the, <laughs> office, they know where the money
1: is for sure. Yeah. It, I always tell students all the time, you catch more, you catch more bees with honey. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just that, you know? And so you have to build relationships wherever you go. Absolutely. You go. And, Absolutely. Um, it's very important mm-hmm. and it, a long way. One of my, my the, uh, shows that I don't watch a lot of TV, I don't have time, but um, I've been watching um, Undercover Billionaire. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you're familiar, but uh, they give these billionaires uh, $100, a car and a cell phone, and they drop them off in a city that they're unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. So they Can't use any of their previous connections. They can't use anything. And they have to build a company from the ground up. And it has to be a million dollar company. Uh, Um, company um, after 90 days Mm -hmm. and so it's very interesting to see how they tackle this they can't tackle it by themselves they don't have any money they don't have a place to stay or anything and how they are able to start they all have this common thing and they have this thing in common where they are not afraid to ask for help they are not afraid to reach to their their neighbor Um, and the one thing they point out is that nine times out of 10 people are good and people are really going, if they, people really want, have a desire to help you Mm -hmm. will not know unless you ask. Mm -hmm. And that's how they're able to even go into real estate. They have nothing to put in, but they're because of their, their approach, uh, they put their heart on the line and they simply ask for help. They have housing. Next thing you know, they're building relationships. These relationships are, um, it's, it's leading to other networks. Next thing you know, they're making the money. They're building the businesses. And it's all because they simply asked for help. They were approachable. They knew exactly what they wanted and they honed in on it and they went after it.
0: Wow. That's incredible. I haven't seen that, but you you just added it to my list. (laughs) Oh, I I enjoy. Love to see compelling stories where we all have a chance to get a life lesson from it to understand how we can navigate situations better. And, and, you know, when you were talking the one thing that came to mind is something I hear Patrice Washington says, say all the time, which is you never know who's watching you, who has the power to bless you. And so right. when you start talking about how you operate and how you show up, and it, it is so critically important whether it's this scenario or any scenario. And that is why the type of workshop work that you're doing to round out the person, to round out the experience and the mindset and the skill sets are so important because you absolutely have no idea who is around you that can be a blessing to you. Now I'm going to add that show to my list because that sounds like a good one.
1: Yeah, especially this season, because there's a, a, a Black woman
0: on there. Oh, wow. Yep, I'm yep, yeah. I have to, yep. now, <laughs> look, now you're going to make me go Google. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so it says that um, your firm considers stretching as a process of expanding one's mindset by doing and exploring more while in high school. Tell us more about what you mean by exploring more, and how does a student stretch more effectively?
1: Sure, so um, when you're in high school, you have your set curriculum and um, you have your set uh, readings and different things like that. Exploring more, it means, you know, in chapter three, it may say, hey, this anthropologist um, dug up this, you know, this fossil. And if that intrigues you, do more research and maybe visit a museum. explore more, uh, try different fu- foods, join different clubs, because what happens is it taps into a si- uh, something in you that you never would have uncovered. Mm-hmm. And when you allow creativity to come in, it really puts your mindset in a different place. You now begin to think about, oh, I didn't know this was a career, mm-hmm. I could do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then that should lead you to properly plan and take the necessary steps to kind of plan out your future. And so when you explore more, you're kind of opening yourself up to more possibilities to really tap into more of what's out there to really discover who you are and what it is that you would like to do. And so um, I just encourage students to do that while they're in high school, because again, you can become so stagnant. You, you just left, right, left, right, left, just going on about, you know, your day and doing what's outlined for you, but it's really encouraging you to take the initiative to explore more.
0: Mm -hmm. And give yourself a chance to come out of your comfort zone. I love how when you said, how can you take it a step further? How can you learn more about it? Because a lot of times we just check the box as opposed to really just saying, how can I discover more about this or learn more about this? And so I think that's really awesome. The next one that really intrigued me, there were three words that (laughs) you said were the benefits of stretching. And so I was like, oh, I've got to unpack these three. Because to me, if you can get to the point that you are really bringing these to life, then you are really going to see yourself catapult past the norm. And the first one, you said that one benefit of stretching is self-knowledge, self-knowledgeable. Tell us about what that is and how can we recognize it.
1: Sure. So, being self knowledgeable is just knowing what motivates you, what you like, what you don't like, what you will accept, what you won't accept. Again, it's free from from making decisions that's based upon anything like survival mode or uh, where it's not based upon trauma or anything like that. Like you have to, um, if your basic needs are met, what is it that you would like to do? And um, once you get to that, then you'll know what you can and cannot accept. Because um, you'll have a, a a lot of times you'll have people say, "Hey, I think you should become a doctor, or I think you should do this, or you should do that." But if you're self knowledgeable, you you'll be able to come back and say, "Hey, no, I don't like this, but I think I should go this route." You you have a voice in this process, but you have to first unearth that voice and so um it's just tapping it to who you are and so it's just um knowing what you like what you don't like what motivates you and using that as a as a uh foundation when different things come your way that may challenge are um, because once you know once you get to college you'll be introduced to a lot of different things and so you have to be able to stand firm and say hey no this is not Teresa this is not who I am this is going to take me off my path Mm -hmm. so it's just becoming self-knowledgeable and being able to have a few quizzes where students can answer questions to better know whether or not they are at a level to where They know themselves. And so um,
0: it's just understanding who you are so that you can better make decisions for yourself. I think that's good because I, you know, I I wish I would have been more non-negotiable with things that I enjoy earlier in life. Um, Yeah. I felt like I was just kind of going with the flow for a while. <laughs> and I think that I could have been way more deliberate if I would have had that understanding about myself and I would have had the confidence to stand in it a whole lot sooner. And so I love that you're feeding that aspect and, and really nurturing that. The next benefit you said was self-directed. What is that and how can we recognize it?
1: Sure. So self-directed, um, when we've discussed exploring, uh, a self-directed learner is showing initiative. They're they're putting themselves out there. They're not waiting on you to say, go. Um, Even if things aren't going right, hey, you're starting a new job. Maybe the manager is not, not, they're not outlining things enough for you. Maybe, you know, you could take that initiative and say, hey, I see something isn't connecting the dots here. I think this will be better off if we did X, Y, and Z and being comfortable with with giving those suggestions and different things like that. So a self-directed person is just taking the initiative. They're taking initiative for their future. They're taking initiative to learn more, to explore more, to challenge different systems, to ask questions. They're just taking that initiative and they're continuing to do so over and over again.
0: Yeah. And I think your process has to nurture that voice within them uh, so that they feel more confident to uh, speak up according Mm -hmm. to what it is that they want to do. So I love that. And then finally, the last last benefit that you listed out was self-empowered. What is that and how can we recognize it?
1: Self-empowered is just taking life by its horns and just going, going with it, you're empowered, um, you're finding things that are empowering and um, you're using that when life becomes a little shaky and you're just going, no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on around you, you're staying focused on your goal and anything that that challenges that or may uh, potentially get you off course from obtaining that goal, is unimportant. So it's just becoming self-empowered to withstand some of the different circumstances that may arise while you're on this journey to
0: um, on the college-going process. Awesome. Like uh, what, what you're giving them are tools that will last them a lifetime, and they're coming at the right moments where that type of guidance and direction could really set them up for a tremendous amount of success. So I commend you on that. Now we talked about you pursuing your doctorate. Now, that's huge, because I'm telling you, school is a lot of work. (laughs) That is a lot of work. So congratulations to you on pursuing that. Tell us about your research.
1: Sure. So everything that I'm doing is same lanes. And so same lane, but different. You know, same direction but different lanes, if you want to put it that way. Um, so why not stretch? I'm, I'm, I'm honing in on the student, and I'm, I'm encouraging them to stretch. But if I could be honest, we need our institutions, we need um, our governments, we need, we need a lot more things to stretch. You know, uh, whenever equity uh, is of concern, and so. My research is just challenging um, schools to take a chance on students who may not be A-plus students and you know, give them more funding. Um, and right now it's just seeing if retention is attached to financial aid, but the purpose is to see um, whether or not um, students should, if, if institutions should take more of a chance on students who may not look um, the best on paper. Mm-hmm. And that's simply because more financial aid is getting merit-based. Mm-hmm. Students who come from low SES backgrounds, um, who enter college, uh, they didn't have the same college counselors or they didn't take the same AP courses or they had different barriers that they had to consider that affected their coursework. Doesn't mean they're not, uh, um, they're not able to be scholars. It's just they had some other things that affected that but unfortunately, if you're offering money based upon just merit and they have other variables to consider, um, I want you to look at those and, and possibly take a chance uh, because a lot of students who may not look good on paper, they typically, myself included, once they start and they're given the chance, they prove themselves that they are capable. It's just that if they didn't have other things going on, <laughs> yeah. possibly, you know. But if we are determining who's getting money based upon just, you know, the merit piece, mm-hmm. then equities, and it, it's it's not going to happen. We're we're further expanding the opportunity gap. We we only those who have access to, you know, um, college counselors or their parents went to college, or you know. They have things around them to set them up to to where they know what they need to do in high school so to better prepare them for college to where they can assume the appropriate scholarships. Um, Those will be the only ones getting the money and then getting the resources to graduate. You
0: know what? (laughs) This is my life Um, because I certainly didn't look good on paper. Um, I think back to when it came time to even apply to college, I remember saying to my mom who did all of the applications that she was wasting her time, that they would never let me in. And a lot of it is just the fact that I didn't have a reality for it. It seems so foreign to me. And so I absolutely did not look good on paper and just being very transparent with you. When I got into school, I was accepted on a probationary pay uh, basis Mm -hmm. um, where I had to go to school three months early to take remedial classes. I had to take remedial classes for math. I had to take remedial classes for reading to kind of prove that they would give me a shot at going to the university. And I remember when that paper arrived saying that they were even going to let me in on a probationary basis. Mm -hmm. I was shocked. I was in awe. I literally sat in a chair for what seemed like hours just staring at the paper because I could not believe that they were going to give me a chance. Now, um, I mentioned earlier, I had no perspective. I didn't understand anything about the college language, but that was a very defining moment and turning point for my life when I went to school, when I was one of those people that you talked about who did not look good on paper at all, right? Who got a shot and went. And when I graduated four years later, I graduated with the President's Distinguished Award from the university. And so I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly that there has to be more taken into consideration because there's a lot of factors surrounding someone's experience and sometimes they just need support and a chance. That was my life, right? That was the life where I entered in. I didn't look good on paper, but when I came out, I looked great on paper, right? And so I think that what you're working on is is tremendously valuable because I lived it, right? And I had a chance where fortunately the university gave me An acceptance that was probationary, but I took full advantage of it, and so I think your research is spot on, and I think being a voice to say this is why the universities need to consider more than merit and performance um, is huge. Um, because I have gone on to live what I would say is a pretty successful life and accomplish a lot of great things. But if I wouldn't have had someone who ignored what the paper said and still gave me a chance, um, my life probably would have been completely different. So I commend you for your research. Now you can add Arthur to your resume too. I mean, you got it going on. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You can add author to your resume. So tell us a little bit about your writing journey. Um, Many start, you know, especially as a new wife, new in the sense of me, I'm 26 years in. So you definitely knew. Um, But a new wife, a new mom, you know, you've got a blossoming in a career. You're working on your doctoral degree. And in addition to that, you are an author. So tell us about that journey and congratulations. Thank you. Oh, that, that journey stretched me.
1: <laughs> it stretched me because um, whew, I began writing it out of anger. Uh, um, I just was so mad. It was, whenever I would hit some type of high moment, um, it just seemed like life came tumbling down once I got a notification that a student loan payment was due. <laughs> I had the job and I had the degrees and I wasn't paying, I didn't pay for my master's. I'm not paying for my doctorate degree. And um, so it's like, you know, I, I got, I was going, everything was going good and um, they wouldn't work with me. And I just, I never envisioned that I would get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that motivated me was the fact that I wanted to truly prevent others from making the same mistakes that I did. I know how to do that. And I couple that with also, I know that I wanted to work in higher ed, I was getting all this information about higher ed through my master's program, and then I was working in higher ed, but I wanted to work with students to prepare them for me, once they meet me I want you to come and prepare, but I didn't know how to bridge that gap, um, and how I could get this information out to them, so I went on a 21 day fast, and I fasted and I prayed for 21 days for vision, amongst other things, and after the fast was over, I, I didn't hear from God. I didn't know what way to go. And so I was driving home and he dropped in my spirit to write a workbook. So I got, I was so excited about it that I just began writing. I drew everything that you see in my, my workbook. I I drew myself. It's, it's all coming from me. And I wrote it. And whenever I would stop writing it, it seemed like I was never satisfied with my work. I was never satisfied with different things. It always pushed me. Life always pushed me back to the vision. And I was happiest when I was working Working it. But then came a time when it was complete. And again, I, I said before, I'm an introvert. And me putting this workbook out there <laughs> meant that I would have to be really open and really transparent to a lot of people who don't know me. And so... I sat on it and then no matter how many people told me it was really good, you know, it just was never enough. Then all of a sudden I became this person that I, I didn't recognize. Like I, I was fearful and I was discouraged. I lacked confidence. I, I, I didn't know why I was doing it. You know, it was just, a, I was a new Teresa. And um, and so then um, I decided to pitch it to a publisher. <laughs> Just to see if I was good enough, um, unfortunately. And they loved it and they picked it up. And I'm like, okay, they picked it up. So I have to release it. I just want this thing out there because, (laughs) you know, things are moving fast and, you know, it's going smoothly. So the process of writing it was really easy, it was therapeutic. It was what I needed to make sense of my mistakes because I could have easily gone into a deep depression. Um, just which is natural when you you're doing everything that you feel like is right. You're trying to get on a good foot. But the one thing that's hovering over you won't let you go And my student loans. you know, I start thinking about future life, my home, my vacations. if I were to default on my my student loans, I, I would have nowhere to go. And so um, it was the one way that I was able to, Make sense of my mistakes. Mm-hmm. Purpose in my mistakes is if I could prevent someone else from making those mistakes.
0: And so, um, that is when you get past success to significance, and you begin to realize that what you experienced was not in vain. And by telling your story, you can help someone else. Yeah. And I love that it brings tears <laughs> to your eyes only because that means it's a work of your heart. Yeah. It came from the authentic, transparent place of your experiences. And it is going to be a blessing to those <laughs> who receive it. And so, to you, Teresa, I say thank you for your courage. Thank You're you for funny. lifting your voice. Thank you for getting past those trouble moments where you had questions of worthiness and questions of whether or not it was going to be well received and needed that assurance when all along you were great. Thank you for pushing past and bringing it to life because it will make a difference. It absolutely will. And when you feel it in your heart like that, that's when transformation can occur. And that is when God will get glory and you will begin to do the very thing that he challenged us all to do, which is to be a blessing. And so he has turned your morning into dancing. He has (laughs) given you a praise for what you've been through. And he has taken those moments of anger and given purpose. It is beautiful. I'm no longer angry. (laughs) It is beautiful. All right. So around these parts, I believe that we should build a life we love without apology. And as we close out, I want you to drop some wisdom. So here we go. If you could tell your younger self a life wisdom. What would you tell your younger self?
1: Oh, my younger self, um, to before before I make any um, decisions, life-altering decisions, before I settle settle in on um, a negative thought, before I um, something that I would later regret, sit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that more now than ever in a marriage, but (laughs) just simply sit in it, Um, because um, when you sit in it, you're allowed to do some reflective work, you're able to um, um, come from a different place, Mm -hmm. and um, when you're coming from a place where you're not filled with just emotion, you can make better decisions. You can say what you mean without hurting anyone. You can choose the right path that is for you. So before you make any of those decisions, just sit in it and, um, be and being okay with waiting until you get a distinct, um, direction as to where you should go or what you should say or how you should do it. And so, I always have to go back to college. Uh, the college going process—it's—it's um, it's one of the things I encourage students to do before jumping into a a, a school or a degree program because you're simply bored or you're simply um, you can't make a, a post about something exciting or nothing's really going for you. You have to use that time to just sit in it, and you'll discover a lot of things about you and. And something will happen. You'll interact with the right people. Things will open up and it's going to encourage you to take maybe a better route, a different route, uh, a life sa- saving route. If you just sit in it and you just you don't move hastily, you, you uh, operate in patience. And so I would encourage my younger self to just sit in it.
0: Oh, my God, that's so priceless. That's really good. That's wise. <laughs> All right. Love <laughs> wisdom. What would you tell your younger self about love if you could?
1: Um, Offer grace. Um, I, I used to be one that would easily I mean, I wouldn't give you a chance. And this is friendships, relationships. You make a mistake and then I will sabotage the relationship to where it was, you know, you couldn't return from it. And so it's just to offer grace, the same grace that you need, the same grace that you're given, the same grace that is required. Um, you just have to give that to others, um, because most people are, are good, especially if you, you know, uh, started off in in some type of friendship or relationship or something like that. Um, and so just give it some grace and, um, And, and yeah, you'll just, you'll further cultivate what love is when you do that.
0: (laughs) That's beautiful. And then finally, happiness, wisdom. What would you tell your younger self about happiness if you could?
1: Happiness is found in life's most simple pleasures. It's, it's just being able to Step outside and take in the, the sunlight, the, the, just the ability to um, move your limbs, the ability to think, the ability, you know, to just have an uh, opportunity to correct your mistakes. Mm-hmm. So happiness is just being grateful in the simple things, taking um, heart to the simple things in life. And it's, it's not deep at all. Wow. And yeah, so.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, you have blossomed into one beautiful woman. Thank you. I say that at the very bottom of my heart. I, um, I don't throw out compliments easily, but what I see and sense in you is a tremendous amount of growth, God, growth, maturity, And I am just so honored to be able to talk with you and get to know you as Teresa, the woman, (laughs) and not the little girl, because you are simply beautiful inside and out. And I want you to know that and never forget that. I also want to say one last thing to you is that success looks so good on you. And oh, thank, thank you. you so much for thriving. Thank you so much for serving and giving back and also for stretching, of yeah. course. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being with me, Teresa. I appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, I told you, Teresa is exquisite. As a young woman continuing to serve others, Her life is going to be blessed indeed. Why not stretch? I'm telling you, we have to stretch so that we can give more. We have to stretch so that we can do more. We have to stretch so that we can be more. And I love of her decision to help the generation coming behind her to not make the same mistakes and to take full advantage of opportunities that will benefit them that is what it's all about. Thank you, Teresa, for your service. Thank you for your authenticity. And most of all, thank you for being transparent with us here on Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Well, that's it, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. Don't ever forget that you truly deserve life, love, and all the happiness your heart can hold be relentless in building a life you love without apology I'm Denise Taylor and you can always find me in our free Facebook community life love in the pursuit of happiness easy to find now if you want more information about my success superpowers as I'm sure you do download my free success superpowers ebook at denisetaylor.live forward and one last thing always embrace your power and go